like to thank the young people for coming and taking part for us tonight, and we trust that God will bless those uh, items in song and that scripture reading to our hearts this evening. Again, we welcome everyone along. We uh, trust that God will meet with us and bless us as we gather around his word tonight and as we worship him. And we uh, again welcome the internet viewers who are uh, tuning in with us this evening. Can I um, pass on a word of thanks to Emma and Kyle uh, for uh, organizing the party for the children on Wednesday night? I didn't do it this morning. I left it off the announcements, but we do thank our brother and sister for uh, looking after that on Wednesday night. Uh, there is also tea after the meeting this evening, and young people are providing the tea for us, so don't go away tonight, but wait behind and have the time of fellowship around a cup of tea later on, uh, so please remember that. Wednesday night is our prayer meeting. Uh, come along and join with us as we gather around the throne of grace. And Friday, the Youth Fellowship are going out to sing uh, carols, and uh, we um, are uh, looking forward uh, to that. And as we said this morning, if they normally come to you, uh, then just uh, let them know that it's okay for them to go this uh, Friday night, but they'll be out singing carols. Saturday is the church dinner at 7 o'clock. It's in McKee's. There's still opportunity to put down your name today. There's a list on the table with the menu and all of the details. So if you'd like to join with us for that, we'd encourage you to do that. Come along and join with us for our church Christmas dinner. And that's on Saturday next in McKee's at 7 o'clock and please remember that. Next Lord's Day, 10.15, the Sabbath School and the Bible class will be meeting together to practice, and then 11.30 is our morning service, and the Sunday School will be taking part. 6.30 is the uh, prayer meeting, and 7 o'clock is the evening service. We're looking to try and get a program together, uh, usually the youth would have been taking part next week, uh, but uh, if you can help with that, then do let us know. And also, we're looking for volunteers, as usual, for the watch night service, and we'd ask you please to take that on board. If you want to read or give a wee word of testimony or speak about something that God has done for you in the past year, or even sing or play or take part uh, for our watch night service, then please let us know as soon as you can. Our Christmas morning, the 25th, uh, we're bringing the service forward uh, by an hour to 10.30, so please remember that. The evening service at the normal time, but the morning is at 10.30. There are um, the free will offering envelopes available, and if you didn't get them this morning, they're there for you. Please take them when you're going from the meeting. And then could I mention something else um, I didn't mention this morning, and that is our presbytery or the Government and Morals Committee of the presbytery is organizing a special prayer meeting by Zoom um, next Saturday from 9.30 to 11 o'clock. 
and uh, it's because of the commission of abortion in particular, but also because of all the attacks upon our children in these days. The Presbytery felt that we should have a time of prayer before Christmas. Now, I know that it becomes a busy time, uh, the Saturday almost before Christmas, uh, but if you can spend the time and join with us, please, in that Zoom prayer meeting uh, next Saturday, uh, please take the time to do so. You need to register, and the details are on the Free Presbyterian uh, Facebook page. You can get the link there to register, or you can go through to that page on the day and just uh, click on a link, and it'll bring you through. But uh, please, uh, can you join with us? Um, away, back in the, uh, a few days ago, uh, in about the middle of the week, and we only advertised in the middle of the week, but we have 96 people at that stage uh, who have signed up for the prayer meeting, uh, but we'd love to see many more. So please remember that if you can sign up for that special time of prayer. Our land needs the prayers of God's people. The only thing that the Secretary of State ring-fenced in his budget for Northern Ireland uh, cuts in everything, cuts in um, health service, cuts in education, cuts here and cuts there. The only thing that the finance was ring-fenced for is for abortion services and for the murder of little children in the womb. And that says it all about the condition of our land, and that's why we felt that we needed to pray. So do, do remember that, please. Now, we're going to sing another hymn, um, but um, we're changing the hymn that's on the board there. Could we turn to number 77, please? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Uh, and we will uh, stand, please, as we sing this hymn before we come to the preaching of God's precious word. The hymn 77, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come.
wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, please, and to chapter 2 of uh, Luke's Gospel. And we're going to read from verse 1 of the chapter. They're familiar words, but nevertheless, uh, this God's Word, and we always can glean new things as we look at the Word of God. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, and beginning our reading at verse 1. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just unite again, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we approach Thee in our Saviour's name. We thank Thee for the precious Word of God. We thank Thee for the fact that Thy Word is truth. And we re realize, Lord, that every detail is, uh, uh, in fact, uh, the historical record that has been given of all of these things. And we pray, our God, tonight that not only will we recognize the truth of God's Word, but we might recognize its authority and that there might be that submission to what the Word of God has to say. Bless us now as we gather around thy Word. Be with us as we worship thee, for it is in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. The uh, there's nothing in the Bible that is there by accident. You think of how the first few chapters of the Bible describe the creation of the world in just a very brief mention, really, uh, and the Bible doesn't waste words. And in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, we have mention of a man by the name of Caesar Augustus. Now, I wonder if you've ever thought why 
the Bible uh, is bothered to include the name of Caesar Augustus. There are many details about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are not told. There are things that we would speak if a baby was born. One of the questions that would be asked in this day and generation is, what weight was it? Or you might ask uh, what uh, its appearance is like. Uh, is it like its mother or like its father or like its grandfather or grandmother? And we would ask questions like that. We're told nothing about that in the Word of God about the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we're not told the exact date when our Savior was born. And yet we find in the record here that there is a mention of this man by the name of Caesar Augustus. And we wonder why this detail is included. Now, there are a couple of reasons that we could suggest to you as to why it is included. The first reason is that uh, Luke here, the writer, wants to place the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in the historical and geopolitical uh, context that it was in. And we recognize that the Messiah's birth here, we read how that in the epistle to the Galatians, that it was at the exact right time that our Savior was born. And in the time of Caesar Augustus, it was a time where there had been a peace, the famous Pax Romanus. The Roman peace had come upon the uh, earth. Many of the rebellious tribes had been conquered and because of that, there was a peace that was reigning there. And in the midst of this peace, men were able to contemplate their soul and their destiny and these things that they would normally not have had time to think about in the time of war. And also, Caesar Augustus was famous for making roads. And it was across these roads that later the apostles would carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the geopolitical setting of this is important. And then Luke wants to firmly establish the Lord Jesus' birth as a real historical event. And so he mentions here that it was in the reign or by the decree of Caesar Augustus, it was the time when Herod was reigning. And all of these men that are mentioned here are real historical figures. Some of them uh, were questioned at time, but they are real historical figures. And so Luke is saying, really, what we're talking about here is real history. It's not a myth. It's not a story. It's not something that's been made up. This is real that we are talking about here. But then I want you to think that there is another reason, maybe the most important reason, why Caesar Augustus is mentioned. And that is because the story of the incarnation here is a story of a rivalry between two saviors and two kings. You see, the Roman Empire, they would have known well that Caesar Augustus had the title Son of God and that he was professing at that time to be a saviour. He was, uh, Octavian was his name, Caesar Augustus was his title, but he was a man who had been adopted by his uncle Julius Caesar, the Roman Caesar, the emperor, the first emperor of Rome. His grandfather had been 
a uh, commander in the Roman army. His real father had been a senator, but there came a time when he was adopted by Julius Caesar. And in 42 BC, the Roman Empire had conferred upon Julius Caesar the title of divinity. They called him uh, Divus Julius, the divine Caesar. And therefore, his adopted son got the title Divi Philus, which is the son of God. And that was a significant title. And then after Julius Caesar was assassinated, Octavian was inaugurated as Caesar Augustus in the year 44 BC. And he reigned until 14 AD, which means that he was in power when the Lord Jesus Christ was born. When we think about his claims, he claims to be the Son of God. And from the very start of his reign, he fostered a, a, a worship of himself. In Rome, there was a kind of a pretense that he wasn't really a, a god. Uh, but he set up these altars and places where people could come and they could uh, do obeisance to him. But out in the provinces, there was no pretense at all. There Caesar Augustus was worshipped. There he was treated as a god. And there he is as the king. He's the ruler. He claims to be the one who is going to bring peace and prosperity to the people. He's a savior. He's the son of God. But unknown to him, in around 4 BC, a rival was born. Someone who also claimed to be the savior and the king. And in verse 11, we read about this one who is born. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this was a very different kind of a king, one whose reign has been proven to be without end. And as we look at the Bible here, I think what the Word of God is drawing our attention to the Two rival saviors. And there's a question that's implied. Which one are you following? Now, Caesar Augustus is long dead. But by his actions and by what he did, he is the kind of saviour that men are still following today. Maybe not Augustus Caesar, but whose rule are you following? Who is your king? Who is your lord? And here today is the challenge that comes to your heart and mine. And so we want to think about the two saviors and the two kings. And we want to see what the word of God has to say about them. Now, first of all, then, we want to look, about at, or look at the two saviors. He, there is Caesar Augustus and there is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think about how at the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Roman Empire was a place where many people were dispirited and where they were hopeless. You see, Caesar Augustus had been a great Roman general. He had conquered many pe people. He had come to power after he had, uh, he had defeated Mark Antony and Cleopatra of Egypt. And there had been a great battle that had taken place, and he had claimed to be the Caesar of the unified Roman Empire. 
and he had conquered many people. And in those days, every people had their own gods. And they, de- they depended upon their own gods to defend them. They depended upon their own gods to bless them, to help them along the way. And now these people who had been conquered, it meant really that their gods had been conquered. Their gods had been ineffective in the face uh, of the Roman gods, as they said, and that they, were, they had been conquered, they had let them down. And so in that day, it was a day when people were dispirited and cast down. Their old certainties had been overturned and their old way of going had been changed. And it was a day of change, a day of uncertainty, a day when things were changing all around and people were down and they had no hope in their hearts and no peace and no blessing in their hearts. And you know, it's very like the day in which we live. Because this is a day, too, when the old certainties are being turned upside down. And as a result of that, you look at people, and they are hopeless. They have no hope. You look particularly at young people, and I've uh, talked to people who have uh, contact with university students, and they will tell me that amongst university students today, there is that hopelessness. They have nothing to live for and they have nothing to think about uh, or or they have nothing to hold on to and life is just a a, a random thing that we are born and we go to the grave and that's the end of us and so there is no hope. But I want you to see that into this hopelessness there comes these two saviours. Now, the first one is man's savior, Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus, Caesar means emperor. Augustus just means highly esteemed or to be worshipped. He's he's the esteemed one, the exalted one. And he comes to be professed to be the exalted one, the one that will meet our needs, the one who will do everything that he can. And, of course, Caesar Augustus, He wanted to live up to that title, and so he did great engineering projects. He uh, was able to build all these roads across the Roman Empire, and it was very advanced for the day. In fact, many of those roads still exist to this day, not like the roads that we have outside there. These roads were going to stand the test of time. And then he, as we said, defeated Cleopatra and Mark Antony, got rid of his rivals, brought the Roman Empire together. But here's, a, here's an ambitious man. And he wants by his engineering prowess, and he wants by his unifying political uh, bringing of the people together, uh, really a global empire, he wants to bring the people together. And by that means, he thinks that he will overcome the hopelessness that are among the people. And isn't that what we have in this day and generation? We have uh, those that say, well, by education, we will deal with the hopelessness of people. Or by prosperity, by giving people prosperity and uh, giving them all sorts of wealth, that we will bring, uh, we will bring hope to the people, and by material things, and by giving them all that they want, we will bring prosperity. And 
Then Augustus proposed a worldwide religion. He said, well, we'll all worship at my feet. We'll get rid of all the old gods and all the old religion. And of course, that's why he ordered the census. He ordered the census so that he knew where the people were. And this was the first uh, blow, as it were, the first step in bringing together all of the world. Let's have a global outreach. And let's make sure that these dispirited, dispirited, discouraged, confused people, that's the answer. Bring them together. Let's have one rule, one worship. Let's get everything together. That's the spirit of Antichrist that we have in this day and generation. There are coins issued that have been found by the archaeologists and the inscriptions are divine Caesar and son of God. An Egyptian inscription calls Augustus Caesar a star shining with the brilliance of the great heavenly Savior. That's what he said. I'm the son of God. I'm the Savior. And he's going to save the world by his brilliant politics, by his administration, by his military power, by his excellent economics, by his beauty, by the magnificence of Roman culture. These are the things that are going to help man. Glory to man in the highest. This is man's religion. This is where man thinks that he can deal with all his problems. And of course, as we say, it's the same in this day. Oh, by our intellect, by our discoveries, by our education, by all of these things, we're going to deal with all the problems of man. And of course, man just gets himself into deeper problems. And you think of all of these things. You think of when the people came out of communism, They thought that they would find all that they needed in capitalism. But my, the capitalism has failed them as well. It's not just been the savior that they thought. Many have been disappointed. But we think of how scientists with their new discoveries, my, this is the advent of a new age. Glory to man in the highest. And many people are putting their trust in man. Man can save himself. Man can create a utopia. Man can bring upon a a, a perfect society upon earth. But Luke comes with a different message. Man can save himself. No Caesar, no political freedoms, no education, no computers, no powers, no engineering. There's no hope except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke directs us to the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And Luke comes with the good news. Well, it's in verse 11 there, the angel said unto him, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And the Savior's name is not Caesar. It is Christ the Lord. And how does the Savior operate? He's going to save a dispirited, downcast, confused people, not by a census, 
not by uh, legions, not by engineering product projects, but he's going to die on the cross of Calvary, and he's going to take our sins, those things that bring disparagement, those things that bring hopelessness. He's going to deal with our sins on the cross of Calvary. He died the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And his plan of salvation is not works. It is through his grace. And dear friend, he succeeds where Caesar fails. And the angels sing, not glory to man in the highest, but glory to God in the highest. And dear friend, there is only one Savior. There is only one who is able to save your sin. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given amongst men, whereby we must be saved. And you must come to him. Not to man, not to preacher, not to church, uh, or any denomination. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, has there been that time in your life's experience when you have uh, entered into his salvation, when you have come as a sinner to his feet and confessed your sins and called unto him for mercy? Oh, there are two saviors, and there are two still, still two saviors. There is man's savior and man's solutions, and then there is God's solutions. And I'd rather depend upon God than upon man tonight. Who are you following in this meeting tonight? There are two saviors. But then I want you to see that there are two schedules or two schedules here. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now Caesar then had a plan. He had a purpose. He wanted to take this census. And the reason for the census was to bring glory to himself. It was for the purpose of taxation so that he would levy taxes upon the people. He would raise the finances uh, to be able to bring glory to himself for all of the projects that he wanted to do that ultimately were for his glory. All of these roads, all of these economic projects that he had, he wanted to control events. And in order to control events, he wanted to have the means of taxing people. And that was the reason for the census here uh, that he was taking. But God had a different plan and purpose. And while Caesar Augustus thought that he was in charge, God was in charge. Because God was going to use all of these events for his own purpose. And he was going to use it to bring Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Here she was, and she was very near to having her child. She was very near to giving birth, and there was no way that she would have traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem if there had not been an order that had been made from the central Roman governor. And we think of how uh, she came to Bethlehem. And in fact, you uh, need to realize that it wasn't a Roman custom for people to go to their own cities. 
or to go to their birthplace or go to where um, their people came from. That was a Jewish custom. Uh, In other parts of the Roman Empire, the census was just taken where they were, and they would have done what, even up to recently, they would have done with a census here, and that is to send people out. And they went around the doors, and they collected the information from the people where they were. But in order to um, fit in with Jewish sensibilities, Caesar Augustus decided that in Judea, something different would be done. That all the people would have to go to the cities of their ancestors in order to have this census done. So you see how that God was ordering these events. Not only was there the decree sent out that all the world should be taxed and the census was to be taken, but they was also in this case a fitting in with Jewish sensibilities so that every Jew would go to the town of his ancestries or his ancestors. But we think of how God was ordering all of the events that were taking place here. And God directs the hearts of kings. And God directs the affairs of individuals. And we think of how God can direct your life. You know, it says in Galatians 4 and 4, that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. When the fullness of time was come, just the right time, God sent Caesar Augustus with the right desire and the right desire to fit in with sensibilities. And God was overruling the affairs. And you know, dear friend, God overrules your affairs. Maybe he's brought you to this meeting or maybe you're tuning in tonight and you've come across the meeting by accident. Or maybe you have come along just to uh, support the young people that are here. But you know, God overrules. I remember when my father was saved, uh, and he he was up in Belfast visiting his mother and father at the time, and my grandmother wanted to get the men folk out from under her feet when she was preparing dinner. And so she suggested that my grandfather and my father should go down to the Ulster Hall and that they should go and hear Dr. Paisley preach. And that's what they did. And they went there and my father was greatly taken with the message and he came home to Enniskillen, where I'm from, And he found out about meetings that were taking place in Lisbon, all free Presbyterian meetings. And he went along there and he went to a mission that was uh, conducted by the Reverend John Douglas. And there, in that meeting, he was saved. And then he started to bring my brother and I to the Sunday school in Lisbon, and uh, under the uh, uh, watchful eye and under the care of uh, some Sunday school teachers who wanted to see uh, God work in hearts, I came to know the Lord as my Savior. But you know, you think about all of the things that had to come get together here, and even in my father's life and in my life, for us to be brought under the sound of the gospel. And you know, God does overrule affairs. And maybe it's not a coincidence that you're here tonight. Maybe 
Tonight God is speaking to your heart. Maybe God has had a purpose to bring you under the sound of the word of God. And there are two schedules here. There's your schedule and there's God's schedule. And maybe God has brought you here precisely because this is the night when you are going to come and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are two saviors and there are two schedules. Well, one more thing that I want you to see, and that is that there are two sovereigns. We have seen that Caesar Augustus, Caesar means emperor, Augustus means exalted one. Caesar at that time was one of the great men of the world. He commanded the thousands of the Roman legions. He had an empire that stretched from one part of the known world almost to the other. He had power, he had might. He commanded the whole world as it were at that time. And he was having them enrolled on his rule books. And people heeded the commands of Caesar Augustus. And they sang glory to man in the highest. On the other side we have the little child eh, born in the city of David. He's called Christ the Lord. He, the title and his birth in Bethlehem means that he was the Messiah. The anointed one. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the son of God. Uh, but we find that there was no room in Bethlehem for him in the inn. And we think of how by his own admission, his kingdom is an invisible kingdom. He has no army. He has no soldiers. He has no military might. It might not be that he is impressive at all. But we think of the angels of glory. And they sing to this babe in the manger, glory to God in the highest. And one of his names is Emmanuel, God with us. And more than 2,000 years have passed since the days that Caesar ordered his census. Where is Caesar today? He's forgotten. He's gone. His empire's gone. His legions are gone. His infrastructure is gone. The Lord Jesus Christ is still here. He is the risen Savior. What a turnaround. We come at this time of the year. We don't celebrate Caesar's birth. We celebrate Christ's birth. It is Christ's kingdom and not Caesar's kingdom that is growing day by day and getting bigger and bigger all the time. But what does man do? He continues to elevate man continues to follow man, continues to think that man can save himself. But dear friend, it's a lie. It's a lie. We hear today of little babies being aborted. Man wants to play God. Man wants to be in control. We have euthanasia by which man wants to have control of even the events of his death. There was a computer game a few years ago called Same Earth, The Living Planet. And the whole advertising of it was that you could play God. Man would love to be God. Man would love to take the place of God. But dear friend, there's only one God. There's one God and one meteor between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus 
who do you follow? In the book of Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26, the Lord says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Whose king are you following? Which savior are you trusting in? Are you trusting in man's savior? Or are you trusting in the only real savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who went to Calvary's cross and shed his blood and bore our sins in his own body in the tree? He's the only one who will really save. His is the only kingdom that will stand for all eternity. And dear friend, I urge you and implore you to come and trust in heaven's king and in God's saviour. Will you tonight bow your knee before him and come and find real hope and find real peace and find a real solution to your discontent and your restlessness that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. May God write his word upon our hearts tonight for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer and let's bring our meeting to a close. But could I say to you tonight that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, maybe you are trusting in man's savior. You're trusting in what man can do and you think man can save himself. But man cannot save himself. And you need a real Savior tonight. If you don't know him, come and trust in him. We'd be only too happy to speak to you at the end of meeting tonight. But don't go away without the Savior. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we thank thee for thy precious word to our hearts tonight. We thank thee for the one who is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. O oh God, we pray that there may be that trust in the living Savior, the eternal Son of God. Bring many to thyself and save the lost, we pray of thee. Do think of our thanks for the good things that have been provided. We pray that we might eat and drink to thy glory. And now may grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest and abide with thy people both now and in the incoming days, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. We'll not sing a closing hymn, but do remember the cup of tea, please. Okay, well, I've been told the youth of another carol to sing, so we're going to ask them to come and sing. I don't know, maybe they don't appreciate that, but we've been given the note anyway, so we'll ask the young people to come and sing their last piece.
like to thank the young people for taking part again this evening. And just to remember the cup of tea then when you're going. Don't go away tonight, but let's have that time of fellowship together.